Thank you, worship team, as always. Well, it's so good to be here with you guys today. How's everyone doing? Good? That an awesome worship experience with God. Just love it so much. Well, it's my pleasure to be able to, to bring God's word to you today. If you know me, you know by now that's my favorite thing to do. I absolutely love it. What a privilege and an honor it is to get to stand up here and just share the truths of God's word with you. And uh, I love it. But before we get into that, if you remember the, past, or the last time I preached, or maybe it was two times ago, I think it was Father's Day, I shared some jokes. And I've had people saying, you've got to tell jokes again. So now, you may like that, or you may be angry at the people that asked me to do that again, because the jokes are pretty bad usually. So um, Kevin kept asking a lot. So if you don't like the jokes, <laughs> but being that it's football season, I thought I'd share some football jokes. Any football fans out there? A couple? Yeah? So well, on a, as a side note, I've told a few of this. Some of you guys know this about me. You guys know I'm a big Notre Dame fan, right? So Notre Dame played their, like, biggest rival, USC, last night, and we destroyed them. Oh, it was the best defensive victory I've ever seen in my life. You guys really dodged a bullet because had Notre Dame lost to USC, I'd have been preaching angry today. I mean, fire and brimstone, baby. It would have been, it would have been bad. So I had two sermons prepared, one for Notre Dame victory and one for their loss. So you get the victory speech. <laughs> no. All right, so here's, here's what I got for you this morning. So... There were four guys that were uh, mountain climbing together, and uh, they were good friends, but the problem was each of them were fans of a different football team in the same division, and you know how that goes, right? You had a Washington fan, a New York Giants fan, uh, you had an Eagles fan, and a Cowboys fan. There's always one in every crowd. Sorry, Josh. (laughs) So, of course, as they're climbing, so they're arguing back and forth about which team's the best and, you know, whatever and who has the best fans, and you know how it goes. So they're halfway up this really big mountain, and the Washington fan finally looks at the other guys and he says, you know what, I can't be outdone. I have to show you guys that Washington's the best team and that, I'm, that we're the best fans in the world. And he screams as loud as he can, this is for Washington fans everywhere, and he hurls himself off the mountain. The other three guys kind of look at each other like, what just happened? I mean, that's dedication, but man, that guy's crazy. And they're not sure what to think about this. And then the Giants fan speaks up and he says, you know what? I can't be outdone either. Giants fans are the best. The Giants, the best team in the world. And he hurls himself off the mountain, jumps to his death. What is going on? And the Eagles and the Cowboys fan are looking at each other and they're not quite sure what to think and what to do about it. Finally, the Eagles fan speaks up and he says, this is for Eagles fans everywhere. And he shoves the Cowboys fan off the mountain. (laughs) Yes. I love you, Josh. And Josh, I got two Joshes I know. <laughs> you don't like my joke? <laughs> All right. And the other one was you guys remember recently how we had uh, some, some bad weather come through. And remember how Westminster got hit pretty hard and everything? And those telephone poles that came down. So I heard recently that Baltimore area is issuing a statement that if uh, there's ever a tornado warning, everyone's supposed to go to the Raven Stadium as a shelter because they never get a touchdown there. So, all right. All right. Anybody else I haven't offended yet? Is there any other teams I should? (laughs) All right. That's all I got. I apologize. I won't do any more. So, well, this morning we're going to be in Judges chapter 6. If you have your Bibles, you like to follow along, you may turn, you may turn there. Judges 6. We'll be starting in verse 11. So we'll get to that in just a little bit. Uh, but before we start, I want to I give you this picture here. Uh, when my kids were little, uh, any parents in this room had little kids at one time? So, 
Did they ever come to you, and they're like three years old, and they drew this beautiful picture, right? They drew something with their crayons, whatever, and they brought it to you, and they gave it to you, and you're like, oh, that's nice. It's, uh, and you're trying really hard to figure out what it is, right? Like, you have no clue. It looks like a bunch of colors and lines, but they know exactly what it is. They, they drew this beautiful masterpiece for you, right? And uh, you, you're just, you're like, that's a nice elephant? And they're like, no, you know, it's, it's, it's a house. I'm like, oh, it's a really nice house. I bet an elephant lives there. No, you know, <laughs> whatever. So you're always trying to figure out exactly what they drew. Uh, but, and then as they get older, thankfully, you can tell the pictures a little bit better. But that's happened to you guys, right? They brought you a picture, and you're just trying to guess exactly what that picture is. Well, because they're the creator of that picture, they know, right? Because they're the creator, they know. Do you guys see where I'm going with this? Maybe, just maybe. I think this happens with us and God a lot. You know, God is your creator, and he knows exactly what he created. He knows who you are. And so today I've entitled my message, Discovering Your Name, because this is about discovering who God created you to be. And sometimes we're like the parents in that story, in that we look at ourselves and we're not sure what to make of ourselves. We're not sure the design. We look at it, we're like, what am I? Who am I? What was I designed to be? What was I designed to do? What, what is this all about? And sometimes we can put a lot of effort and a lot of years in just trying to figure out what the picture of our life is. But we have a creator. We have someone who drew that picture. We have someone who knows exactly who you are. The Bible actually calls you a masterpiece, God's masterpiece. You've read that passage before, perhaps. And he knows exactly who you are. So I'm going to share a story about Gideon from the book of Judges, and this is a story of him discovering who he is. This, this, this is him discovering who God created him to be, and when God looks at Gideon, who did he see? And so through this, hopefully I want you guys to be able to get better, myself included, to be able to understand how the creator, our creator, sees us, just like Gideon was able over quite some time. It, he wasn't easy, to, you know, it, it took him some time, but he finally figured out who God created him to be. So let's read in Judges chapter 6. I guess, like I said, starting in verse 11. I think it's up here as well. So it says, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak at Orpha, which belonged to Joash the Abizarite, as his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. I'm going to pause there a second. I want to give you guys a little backstory about what's going on. So this comes from the book of Judges, and if you're familiar with this book, uh, you know this is not the brightest moments of Israel's history. So they've, they've had some bad moments, and the book of Judges as a whole is, is one of the worst. So what was going on at this time is they're, they're in this period of their history in between having great leaders such as Moses and Joshua, strong prophetic leaders in their, in their body. Uh, and then eventually they end up having leaders who are kings who sit on the throne, right? But there's this few hundred year period in between where there was no leader. And it's actually a repeated phrase in the book of Judges. It says, in that time Israel had no king and everyone did as they saw fit. Another phrase is they each did evil in the eyes of the Lord, right? So it was, it was pictured as a time of there was no central direction. There, there was no time where there was a strong leader leading them in the ways of the Lord, um, 
And we all know in the future of Israel, from this point forward, there were plenty of leaders that didn't lead them in the way of the Lord. So that the leader isn't always the answer, right? But in this time, they had no leader, no central leadership, and everyone did what was right in their own eyes over and over and over again. So what we see throughout the book of Judges is this circular pattern that repeats itself over and over and over again. And it goes like this. Uh, Israel sins. God kind of releases his hand of protection of them, and some other people group come in and overthrow them or come in and take control. This, this may go on for decades, right? And then Israel repents. God raises up a leader called a judge here in the book is the term that's given to them and delivers the people of Israel. And then they sin, and God releases his hand of protection, and another nation takes control, and then they repent, and God raises up a leader, and, and you see it goes around and around and around. About a dozen times, this circle repeats itself throughout this book. And uh, so I don't know if you've heard that circle illustration before with judges. I see that all the time. But honestly, if you read the book, it almost presents itself more of a spiral, a downward spiral than a circle. Because every time Israel comes back to the Lord, it's, it's never quite where they were before. Right? And then it circles, and it's just kind of like the whole nation just keeps going down the drain. And by the time you get to the end of the book, it's really depraved some of the stuff that Israel is doing at that point. The stories at the end are almost sickening to read, uh, the last couple chapters of Judges, just what the people became capable of. So this is, this is where this book is. And specifically, the people group that had come in and overtaken the people of Israel were called the Midianites. Now, they're described in this, in this book as being as thick as locusts, right? They were uncountable. There were so many people. You couldn't even count their camels, the Bible says, to make the point, right? It's, I mean, could you actually count the camels? Maybe, probably. But the point is that they're way more numerous than the Israelites. And they're being presented in this story as an overwhelming force, as there's nothing they can do. So come in to Gideon, and what he's doing, he's threshing wheat. He's preparing food, essentially, in the bottom of a, in a wine press in hiding so that the Midianites wouldn't come in and steal the food. Because another thing that the, the story describes is that as the Israelites would harvest their crops or prepare their food, the Midianites would descend on them like locusts, steal their food from them, and just take everything that they had. So here's Gideon living in hiding, essentially, just so he and his family can eat. Uh, if it helps you to think about it, I, have, have any of you guys ever seen the old Disney Pixar movie, A Bug's Life? You guys seen that movie? couple of you out there. I swear, I've never heard the comparison made, but I swear whoever wrote the script for that movie, it's, a, it's the story of Gideon. It's the exact same story. So if you want to know the story of Gideon, just go watch A Bug's Life. I rarely recommend Disney movies, but that one's, that one's I promise you, it's the story of Gideon. Because in that story, you have, in a cartoonish way, you got a colony of ants, and then these grasshoppers or locusts always come in and overtake them and take their food and run off, and eventually a warrior rises up and one of the ants, and the story goes on, and they win their freedom from the, from the grasshoppers. It's the same story. So whoever wrote that, it's Gideon. So this is what's going on. So Gideon is the little bug, right? He's a little ant living in hiding, trying to prepare his food. So here's our story. I'm going to pick back up then. There's your background. Um, so <clears throat> so he's, he's uh, beating out wheat in the wine press, verse 11 says, to hide it from the Midianites. Verse 12, the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, you mighty warrior. Gideon answered him, but sir, if the Lord is with us, 
why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our ancestors recounted to us, saying, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? From now the Lord, or, but now the Lord has cast us off and given us into the hand of Midian. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours and deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. I hereby commission you. He responded, Gideon responded, but sir, how can I deliver Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord said to him, but I will be with you, and you shall strike down the Midianites, every one of them. Lord, I thank you for this passage. Again, just speak it to our hearts, and I pray that we can take a lesson from Gideon today about how he discovered who God created him to be. Help us to discover that today. We thank you for this. In your name we pray, amen. So there's a story. There's this encounter that Gideon has with with the angel of the Lord showing up to him and commissioning him to do an incredible task. And uh, I love how, I love the first words that come out of the angel's mouth. When he shows up to Gideon, what does he say? He says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior, or mighty hero, or mighty man of valor, depending on the translation you're reading. It's, it's translated a few different ways. He says, mighty warrior. Now think about this. What's Gideon doing right now? He's, lo- he's living in hiding, right? He's cowering in fear, preparing his food just so the big bad boogeyman doesn't come take it. Like, that's the life that he's living in right now. That's, he's feeling defeated. He's feeling overwhelmed, living his life in fear and hiding. And yet, an angel of the Lord refers to him as mighty warrior? You know, I wonder, I always get this picture in my head, and I have a little clip for you guys. Anybody like the Three Stooges? Oh, yeah, I got a Three Stooges clip coming up. You ready for this? So, <laughs> I could watch them all day, any day. But uh, I love this because it always brings to mind this, one of this little running gag the Three Stooges had that uh, when the angel showed up and said, mighty warrior, I feel, I picture Gideon being like, mighty warrior, where? We could use one of those, right? So watch this little clip from the Three Stooges. I love this. Have you seen Professor Tuttle? Certainly not. Have you? No. Have you? No. That means we'll never find the missing king. How'd you know the king was missing? (laughs) Oh, so you're the one, eh? That's how you won my 13 cents. (laughs) Gentlemen, gentlemen. Who came in? You don't understand. The missing king is Rootin' Tootin' the third of Egypt. Oh, missing persons are right up our alley. When was he last seen? Oh, I love that. It's a running game. Gentlemen, gentlemen. Who? Where? Where? Gentlemen? You know, they can't believe that about themselves. So, I don't know. I just, that's the image that I get about Gideon in my head when mighty warrior, mighty hero. Where? Where? We could use one of those right about now, right? He didn't, he couldn't believe that about himself. And you see that in the, in the, the conversation as it goes forward, back and forth, uh, between Gideon and the angel. When you know the angel's saying, "I'm with you. I want to do this," and Gideon's like, "But no, not me. How how could that be me? That's that's not possible." And so this conversation goes back and forth, back and forth. Gideon just didn't feel like that could possibly be him. So, bringing this to ourselves today, what is it that God? is asking us to do or what name is God calling you because today we need to work like Gideon discovering our name what was his name his name was mighty warrior mighty hero 
right? That's how the angel addressed him. That, that was the, the address that he used. And so I want you guys to ask this question today. If God were to appear to you out of nowhere, how would he address you? I don't know if, do you know the answer to that question? Sometimes I wonder if I know the answer to that question. I know, like Gideon, how I think of myself, how I maybe think I should be addressed, but do I really know how God would address me? When God's up in heaven, talking to the angels or whatever, again, I don't know if this actually happens, but just go with me on this. When he's up there and they're talking about you from heaven, they say, yeah, that one down there, what word does he use? What, how, how does he refer to you? You know, and it very possibly could be something you could never imagine. So I encourage you to make this part of your prayer life. God, what is your name for me? What do you see me as that I just can't see? And so because you see the disconnect between Gideon and the angel of the Lord, while the angel is calling him mighty warrior, mighty hero, mighty man of valor, and then he says, but me? This, and then Gideon goes into how he sees himself. He says, but I'm from the weakest clan in the entire tribe of Manasseh. I am the least in my family. So right there, Gideon's saying, this is how I see myself. I see myself as unworthy, as unwhatever. I'm the weakest. I'm the least. You know, not only did he believe he came from the weakest, the smallest clan in his entire tribe, he believed that he was the least in his entire family. And that's what he spoke over himself. That's, how, that's what he saw when he looked in the mirror. So our challenge today is when we look into the mirror, how do we get from seeing what I think I should see to what God sees? How do we get that? How do we make that transition? How, how are you doing in life making that transition? How are you doing making that transition? Because I promise you, God has a name for you. And it's, I think this is evidenced other places in Scripture. I think it's cool that God's a nicknamer. You know, he is. He changes people's names all the time. Just, you know, a couple that come to mind being Abram gets changed to Abraham. Uh, Jesus himself did it. He called Simon Peter, right? And so Abraham, Abram means great father. And then God promised that he would have many, many descendants So he changed his name to Abraham, which means father of a multitude, father of many. So he did the same thing. Jesus did that to to Simon. He said, you are now Peter. Petros comes from the word rock in Greek because of the the statement that that Peter just made. It was a a foundational rock statement. So he he called him rock from that day forward. But I, I love both of those stories in that really in both cases, you see the name, and this is key right here, You see the name being given out before it was earned. And this is the difference between God giving you a name and us giving each other nicknames. So anybody here that you just mainly go by a nickname, right? Some of you, like, you just, a nickname has stuck. Anybody know a nicknamer? Someone who just nicknames everybody? (laughs) My grandfather was like that. He was, I, oh, I miss him so much. He's gone almost 20 years now, but every person had a nickname with this guy. It was hilarious. And what was so good about it is these nicknames were usually so good that they stuck and that many people would only ever know these people by their nicknames over time. They wouldn't even know what their real name is. 
right? <laughs> he, just, he, he had this way about him of just seeing a person and calling them a name, and then that was it. It was done. Uh, what was that? What was mine? Oh, well, okay. Mine was actually, my grandfather didn't give me mine. He just latched onto it. When I was in uh, peewee football, midget football, when I used to play as a little kid, I, I was really big. Uh, I grew fast compared to the other kids, so I could easily just destroy anybody. So it was kind of a fun time, right? But my coach started calling me Hammer because I would nail everybody, you know. So my grandfather picked up under that, and he always called me Hammer for the rest of his life. So, so but yeah, that was mine. But uh, I, I, I think about my cousin, whose name's Christina, uh, but she used to, when I was a little kid, always carry around this little bean doll with her. So he'd just start calling her Bean or Beaner. And to this day, everybody calls her Beaner. Like, no one, like, oh, Christina, that's your name? Right? Like, she's just, she's Beans, Beaner, you know, whatever, Bean, we just all call her that. Uh, my mom, when she was little, she, she had two older sisters, and apparently, like a good little sister's supposed to do, she used to take this little plastic bat and beat her, beat her sisters with them. She'd hit them with them all the time. <laughs> and, uh, but anyway, so you guys remember the Flintstones cartoon, Bam Bam? Bam, bam, you know, bam was always, you know, so he just start calling her bams or bam, bam, right? And uh, so for, to this day that he just, bam, bam, you know, bammers, bam, 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 he'd call her all those things. And as at my kids, she's, uh, she said as a grandmother, she wanted to be called bammy after that. So that's what they call her, right? So to this day, because of that nickname, you know, it's stuck. It's just a beloved thing. He, he called his, his, his wife was named Miriam. He called her big eyes. He loved her big, beautiful eyes. So his whole life he called her big eyes, right? And, and I could go on. He had two sisters, uh, one Angeline. He always called her Tootsie. I mean, I think I was like 35 years old when I was like, Tootsie's not her name, <laughs> you know? And another sister, Rose, he called Dolly, right? Everybody calls her Dolly. He just nicknamed everybody. My dad's Ronald. He called him McDonald. <laughs> he was always, hey, McDonald, how you doing? So I just, I loved that guy so much and the nicknames he'd hand out. Um, but, and, and like I said, sometimes they would just stick, right? But usually in those names, like I, like I was saying, there was a reason he came up with that. Like my cousin, he called her Beans because of the doll that she carried around. Or my mom was Bams because she, she was like Bam Bam on the Flintstones hitting her sisters with a club, right? So they, there was a reason that that name was given, something that someone had done. And so he threw the name on. Oh, another, I got to share Leah's. So, and I remember the first time Leah met my, my grandparents, my grandfather was pretty sick at the time. We had to bring him to the hospital. And uh, she was wearing like this white sweater, kind of like she is today. And she was so helpful in helping to care for him, he just started calling her nurse. And uh, she just loved the way that she cared, she cared for him, and so that was a beautiful thing. But anyway, so I had to share that because I just love that little story about her. And, uh, but anyway, he would come up with a name because of something they had done. This is what's different about how God nicknames you. He doesn't call you something because you've already done it. He calls it you that because you're capable of it, because that's who he created you to be. Because when he showed up to Gideon, Gideon was, had never fought a battle in his life, at least not that's recorded. I doubt he ever had, right? And he was living in hiding. He didn't believe in himself. He didn't know how to fight against oppressors. He didn't know any of that. Yet, mighty warrior, that was his name for him, because of what Gideon could do, because of what God created him to be. So this is, this is how you make that transition from what I see when I look in the mirror, what I think of myself, I'm the least in the tribe, you know, whatever. However you see yourself versus God is because you have to start asking God, God, who did you create me to be? 
Not who am I right now, but who did you ultimately create me to be? What am I capable of through your strength? What is possible? What do you have for me? These are the questions that you need to start asking. Because if your determination of yourself is based solely on your life experience, it's not even going to come close to live up to what God sees you as and who God's created you to be because he's got so much more in your future. And so that's the, that's the transition in thinking that we need to get to. And this is the transition that the angel of the Lord, that God was trying to get Gideon to make. And you know the story. It took a little while, right? He even had to test God, throwing the fleece out there. And if you don't know the story, read on. You can read it sometimes. So Gideon had to go through. He, he like put God, he's like, God, if you really mean this, do this for me, right? He tested God. And God went along with it, you know, so that God was determined to work through Gideon. He doesn't always go along with those kind of things, but he did for Gideon, you know, so he, he, he helped him get to that place. But it wasn't easy for him. So it's not always easy to get there, but find a way to get there. Discover your name. Ask God, what is your nickname for me? What do you call me? So then as this conference, as the, the name's been established, I think we see then moving forward two, two problems or two obstacles, let's say, put it this way, two obstacles that can, I think, stop you from living out that name, to walking in your calling, to being who God created you to be. And this story presents them beautifully. And the first one of those is going right back to what we've already discussed a little bit, but that the fact that you just may not feel ready yet, right? So, because there's, there's a, a step that has to be taken from accepting what God calls you. So Gideon may have gotten to the point where he said, okay, I can accept that. I'm a mighty warrior, right? You, you call me that. But Gideon could have at that point been tempted to say, maybe 30 years from now, <laughs> you know, when I've gone to military school and I've fought a few battles and, you know, or however that path would have looked like for him. You know, maybe now, okay, you want me to be that. I'll enter training. I'll start taking the steps. And a few decades down the road, we'll make this happen. All right, that's the next step. I, I hear you, God, but I'm not ready yet, okay? But here is what the angel said to him. He said, go in this might of yours, or I love the way another translation, I think it's the NLT says, this is the point that I have, go with the strength you have. I love that translation right there. Go with the strength you have. So not only was he telling Gideon that you're going to be, a, you are a mighty warrior, right? That you're capable of this. He's saying right now, I want you to go and be the mighty warrior. It wasn't, it wasn't a call for Gideon to then enter into training to become what God wanted him to be. It's you're ready right now with the strength that you have. Why? Because we all know that it's really God's strength, right? And more on that to come. Uh, now, disclaimer, I always like to throw disclaimers in some of my points. The disclaimer is, this doesn't mean you shouldn't train. <laughs> I'm not saying that if God wants you to be something or, you know, when you discover who God wants you to be, this doesn't mean that you just say, oh, well, I'm, I'm all good. I'll just go do it and I don't ever have to try because God's just, you know, no, it doesn't work that way. You know, I, I, if I'm going to look at my own life, I think I've shared this story with you before, uh, but I want to share it again because I feel Gideon on this one big time with my own calling and my own experience is when I was uh, getting close to graduating high school, I felt at that point that God really wanted me to walk into step into the ministry. I really felt that. But I wasn't exactly sure what that was going to look like, how that would play out. And uh, so the, the time came when I was going into Bible college to write down what major, what I wanted my major to be. 
And uh, I felt like God wanted me to put down pastoral ministry major, but I did not believe that I would be capable. The thing that scared me was I, I can't get up in front of people every single week and have something good to say. Like I just, I couldn't picture myself doing that or having that ability. The, the idea of just being relevant and ha- coming up with a message all the time and having something, I just, I just couldn't see myself capable of that. And so I decided, I look back and laugh at it now, that I was like, maybe I'll do pastoral counseling, you know, because I can work in ministry and I'll just not have to preach, you know, and I'll just counsel people. And now I look at it and I'm like, I would never make a good counselor. That is just so not me. I'm too mean for that. No, I'm just kidding. I I do love you. I'll be nice. But um, I just, that's not my strong suit, right? And, uh, but I I vividly remember it was in a worship service and it was like the day before I was going to fill out this application and I was having this conversation with God, this argument, whatever you want to call it. I was like, God, no, I'm, I'm not going to do pastoral ministry. I, I can't do that. It's not me. And God's, then after I felt like it going back and forth for a while, it's the most clearest I ever felt God just say, shut up to me. <laughs> He's just like, shut up. I, this is the message I got. Shut up. If I said you can do it, you can do it. It's like, all right. So against my better judgment, I filled out pastoral ministry and I stepped into that. And over the years, I discovered getting to do this is my favorite thing on the planet. I love this. Like, I couldn't live, I couldn't breathe if I didn't get to teach and share God's word. It's just, it's what I live for. God apparently knew what he was doing, right? Like, I'm glad I listened to him. So I feel Gideon on this because when I felt that call, and although I never, you know, heard the, the name from God, but at that moment I look back, I feel God was addressing me, you know, teacher, maybe he was saying to me. I, I'm just throwing that in there. I don't know, I never specifically heard that from God. But, I, you know, I felt like, no, God, not me. I can't do that. So I really identify with Gideon on this one. Um, but, so where I'm getting back to, the point I want to make here is the training. This all came out of that disclaimer here, right? Is while I was in Bible college, um, I'm glad I did this. I started helping out at a local church and doing like a Wednesday night Bible study. Like I still have the honor and privilege of doing every week here. I love doing that. And uh, I look back at, and I think back at some of those teachings that I did and I'm almost embarrassed. I'm like, oh gosh, I was so bad back then, you know, but I do feel I did the right thing in, in just stepping out. Like I wasn't as prepared to teach God's word as I am today, right? But I look back over it and I hope now, 20 years later, I'm better at that than I was back then. But I feel I would have been disobeying God if I didn't step out and do it then. And I think that all that has helped lead me to become better at doing what God's called me to do, right? So my disclaimer is this, just because God's saying, go do it now, it doesn't mean he's saying, don't get better at it along the way. Train, you know, get better at it. I heard a great message from a good friend of mine one time, a sermon that will always stick with me. And, and he was talking about we all have strengths and weaknesses. And, and uh, he, he was saying a lot of times there's this focus on if you're weak in a certain area that, you know, you should try to get better in that area, right? So focus on your weaknesses to improve upon them. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. I've heard that. You know, if you don't like something about yourself, try to get better in that. And he's like, that's all well and good. He said, but what I see some people doing is they work so hard at developing their weaknesses, they neglect their strengths because they're already good at it, right? It's something that just naturally comes good to them. God created you to do it. He said, and here's the problem. If you neglect your strengths, you'll always be good, but God wants you to be the best. God created you to be the 
best at something, whatever his name is for you, whatever that calling is, you can excel at that thing at a level no one else can because it's you. It's who God created you to be. But that comes through years of working at it, training yourself, getting better, doing what you got to do to be the best version of that thing. So yeah, focus on your weaknesses, but here's the thing. A weakness at best will probably just become mediocre, right? That's never going to be amazing. You're always going to be weak in that area. And if you're weak in an area, that's because someone else is called to fill that role. That's someone else's strength. Learn to appreciate that that's someone else's gig. Let them do their job because they're going to do it better than you, right? But if you focus on your strength, you could become the best in the world at it because that's your thing. Right, so that's my disclaimer, still train. This, just because God's saying go now. It comes down to this. You living out your calling, I want, calling, I want you to hear this from me right here now. You living out your calling has a lot less to do with whether or not you're ready or your abilities and a whole lot more to do with God's timing. Right? God says now, go now. He may say wait, that's possible, right? He told Gideon now's the time. He said go and the strength you have. He may be looking at you and saying, not just yet, we'll get there. But the, the point is, if you don't go yet, you're, not, you're not, not going. Double negative, I think that works. The reason you're not going isn't, I don't feel ready. The reason you're not going is, God said wait. So it's about his timing, not your readiness. That's, that's the key right there. It's about his timing, not your capabilities in that moment. Because he will make you capable. Because God looked at Gideon, all of it, an inexperienced warrior. Someone who believed they were the weakest of the weak. Someone who was living in fear and hiding. And he said, go with the strength that you have. And that strength wasn't much, right? <laughs> that was a little bit of strength, if any at all. There was nothing there, right? And, and even when Gideon went, like I said, he was very skeptical of God. He still was like, really? You don't mean this, right? This, this has got to be some kind of joke. He, he couldn't even believe it, right? So God doesn't need a whole lot of strength to work with. He really just needs your willingness. That's, that's all he needs. Your willingness to follow God into something is all the strength he needs to make it great. So don't be held back by that first issue you feeling like you're not ready yet because it's about God's timing, not your readiness. And then here's the second possible thing that could hold you back is maybe the obstacle in front of you looks too big. The, the, the story here in Judges does a really good job of painting that picture because the whole thing begins with talking about the Midianites as locusts, right? They just, they were innumerable. You couldn't count them. There's so many of them. You couldn't even count their camels, right? So it's kind of going over and above to draw this picture of this overwhelming force that was in front of the Israelites. Too many people. There's just no way that you can defeat them. Too, too many people. So Gideon's next obstacle he had to overcome was looking at the obstacle itself, looking at the problem and not feeling it was insurmountable, right? Not feeling it was impossible to, to climb over that thing. And I love how the angel addressed that one as well. And it comes down to verse 16. He says, you shall strike down the Midianites, every one of them. And uh, this is one I'm going to refer to another translation as well because um, Actually, I'm not a huge fan of the translation in the, the one that I'm reading, the way that's translated, because in the Hebrew, it literally says, um, you will 
defeat the Midianites as if one man, as if they are one man. It's probably the best translation. So even though the story begins with saying they're innumerable, can't even count their camels, right? You're, when you fight against them, you're going to defeat them as if you're fighting against a single human being. That's how easy it's going to be. So what's my last point to you today? Never count the odds, right? Never count the odds. If Gideon got caught up in the odds, he never would have been able to move forward because that was too big. It was too insurmountable, right? So he didn't feel ready, and the problem's too big. Even if he did feel ready, you can still look at it and say that's too much for one man. And there will be plenty of things in your life that you go up against that are going to be too big for you, for one person to handle. It's just a fact. It's going to happen. Things are going to be bigger than you. And see, God, well, he didn't have a whole lot of um, pity on Gideon because <laughs> he, he really tested Gideon's faith. If you know how the story progressed, he says, go, you know, Gideon goes out, he gathers an army, and uh, according to the Bible, he says he, he gathers over 30,000 men, right? And uh, God looks at him and says, too many people, right? So well, we're, we're fighting a force that you can't even count. What do you mean this is too many people? Because we are able to count ourselves, so therefore we're less, you know, and uh, God says, nope, it's too many people because, and God makes this statement, he says, if I let you go up against them with this army, you may think it was you doing it and not me, right? So he says, you need to get rid of some of them. So Gideon makes an announcement. If you're afraid, if you don't want to fight this battle, go home. And all but 10,000 leave. Two-thirds of the force go home. Gideon says, all right, I just kicked out two-thirds of my army, God. That's got to be good enough now, right? No, still too many. And so he, God gives him this odd test, and there's really no, we don't really have, people have tried to explain why this test worked. We don't really know for sure. But he says, let him go down to the stream and tell everyone to drink. And uh, he said, people are going to drink in two different ways. They're going to kneel down on, onto a knee, and they're going to bring the water up like this, cupped in their hands, or they're going to get down on all fours and lap it up like a dog. They get to put their mouth right into the stream, right? So there were th 300 lappers, as the Bible goes on to call it. calls them lappers. There were 300 lappers, and well, I guess that makes it 9,700 kneelers. So we had the lappers and the kneelers. And uh, God says, send the kneelers home. So he leaves Gideon with 300 people. That's it, to fight a force that is innumerable. But if you know how the story goes, God gives them a pretty cool plan. They surround the camp in the middle of the night, and they put lights in these, in these, um, can these jars, and they break the jars. The lights show up. The Midianites think they're surrounded, and they all just start killing themselves, and God's fighting for them, and it's just this massacre that occurs, right? 300 men against this innumerable force. So God made sure Gideon and the Israelites knew that this was me, not you. So, and we can take comfort in that today. Why, does, why do stories like this exist in the Bible? Because God's letting you know it's fine if you're the underdog because with me you're never the underdog. You don't have to count the odds because they're always in your favor. Have you ever noticed how full the Bible is of underdog stories? <laughs> it feels like every time God you, chooses to use somebody, the outside person looking in would be like, really, God, you're choosing them? That's a bad decision right there. And, and I, I think it's, it's just because I, God wants to show that it's him, not them, right? And that gives such great encouragement to me because I feel like the underdog endlessly in life. 
like, what shot do I have? What chance do I have against this thing? But here I have story after story after story in the Bible of God taking the least likely people and making them champions. Like Moses, go to Pharaoh and tell them to set my people free. And Moses had some kind of a speech issue. He's like, God, you know I don't talk well. And you want me to go stand before the most powerful man in this part of the world and speak? Like, why? Why do you, why do you want me to do this? Jeremiah, I'm calling you to be a prophet. I'm too young. No one's going to listen to me. You know, they, they all have a reason. They all have a reason why they're not the ones. who I, I shouldn't be the one to do this, right? I'm not the one that can make this happen. Time after time after time and time after again, God surpasses the firstborn in a family and goes to the nextborn. And he says, you're the one I'm going to work through, not the firstborn. It happens all the time. Whereas that part of the world, the firstborn got everything, right? They were, they were the kings of their castle, right? God, he just doesn't operate that way. Don't count the odds. You'll always be stronger. And like in the case of Gideon, God may even appear to handicap you along the way. <laughs> you know, just when you think you're building up your forces to get the job done, it might disappear on you. Something might happen. You might lose these people, right? And that could be God's way of saying, like he said to Gideon, no, because if you do it with them, you might think it was you and not me. I need you to, you don't need anything but me. I can make it possible for you. So that may happen along the way. I don't know. I'm just saying be prepared. It happened to Gideon. It's possible. You know, by the time you finally face that obstacle, whatever that thing may be, you may in that moment feel less prepared to fight it than you have at any other time. <laughs> God may have gotten you into a place right where he wants you where you need to fully rely on him. And that's a good place to be. It's not an easy place to be. I ask you this question today. When's the last time you found yourself, well, let me put it this way, where you chose to walk into a situation where you needed God? I mean, really needed him, right? I, I, I have a hard time myself answering that question, knowing when that was. Because I, I usually consider it wise of myself to fully be prepared before I thrust myself into something, right? Make sure I have enough money, enough resources, enough manpower, whatever it may be. And I think typically that's the case. You know, Jesus even told a, a thing about, you know, it's, it's foolish to start building a building before counting the cost, right? So, like, there's definitely time and place in life. Be as prepared as you can. Do your due diligence. That's fine. I guess that's another disclaimer. But I'm trying to imagine the last time where, where I felt God say, walk into that situation and I looked at that situation and I said, but if I walk into that, I'm in for a world of hurt because I can't handle it. And I fully needed to rely on him. I'm not sure how to answer that question. I don't know how you guys, if you guys could answer that question today. But I do know, I can think of situations I've been in where it was only by the grace of God I got through it or conquered it or survived it. And those situations have changed my life. They've changed my relationship with God in a good way. I've, they've grown my faith in unimaginable ways when I have been through those situations. This might be why James says something along the lines of, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds, because that's where you grow. Right? I always thought he's just crazy for saying that. I'm supposed to consider it pure joy when I'm facing hardship? You know? Why is that? Because that's when God will shine in your life. That's when he will take you threw something like he took Gideon and those 300 through. And by the end of it, do you think there was a doubt in any one of their minds who God was? 
and what he was capable of. So maybe you're not fully feeling who God is and what he's capable of because you've never allowed yourself to be put in a situation where God can prove it to you, where God can show you that thing. Living in the miraculous is a really cool way to live, but it's scary at the same time. Are you willing to take that leap? Are you willing to put yourself into that situation like Gideon was? So I encourage you to allow yourself to be the underdog. Allow yourself to be like so many biblical characters that we see, to, be the, to put themselves in situations where they have no business being in, where everyone else in the world will look at you and say, you're stupid. See, Josh started using that word, so now I can. You're an idiot, right? So it's, it's clear. You're stupid for being in that situation. You never should have put yourself there. Like, we need to be stupid for God sometimes, right? I don't know. This is taking a left turn here. So it's just, but can you find a way to, to put yourself into the underdog position? But it's only through these steps. It's only through these steps that you're really going to begin to discover who God has made you to be. This is how you discover your name. This, these are the steps you got to take to figure out what it is that God calls you, how he addresses you. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much that you have a name for every person in this room. There isn't a single person here that's here accidentally. There isn't a single person in this room today that you don't have a plan for. There is not a single person in this room today that you haven't designed to be a specific person and to do specific things with their life. And with that truth today, we have to realize that it's now our job to figure out what that is, to figure out who we are in your eyes. I imagine, God, that there's some people here today that are just completely lost. Whatever life has thrown at them, whatever circumstances they've faced, I know I've been there. We've all been there. We've had a place where we are just lost. We don't know who we are. We don't know what we're supposed to be doing. We feel like maybe we're being pulled in a million different directions at the same time. Everything's just being thrown at us. And we don't know where to find a foundation in the middle of all of that. Well, God, you're here to give us that foundation, that touch point, that place where we can come back to and know exactly who we are in you. And everything stems from that, where our name is. So I pray that people can hear that name today, maybe for the first time. Share your name with people today. Call your beloved children by who you see them as. God, I pray that eyes can be opened today in a way that they never have been before as we learn more about this masterpiece that our Creator has made. We are your masterpiece. We are your creation. You designed us. You drew us up from nothing. You know exactly what we're supposed to be. God, I pray that you'll help us to see that today. I'm going to ask you guys to respond. Just keep your eyes closed for another couple moments. Just, to, just slip it up your hand if, if you feel like this applies to you, just so we can lift you up in prayer today. You say, first of all, I have no idea how God sees me. I'm in that camp where I just I have no idea what my name is. I feel lost. I'm not sure who I am. Maybe you're like Gideon. When you look in the mirror, you see the least of the least. I don't know, but if that's you today, you just say, I desperately need to hear God's name for me. Just slip up your hand. Hands all over the place. Yeah, thank you, Lord Jesus. God, 
God, share your name. Maybe today you say, you know what, I think I know what God has for me. I think I know his name for me. I, I have a picture of that, but I've never been able to walk in it because I don't feel I'm ready yet. You know, maybe God's saying to you right now, go in the strength you have and you say back to God, but I don't have enough strength. You don't believe in yourself enough. You feel like you're not ready and that's holding you back. And you say, today, I need the boldness to be able to begin to walk in my calling. Slip your hand up if you think that's you today. You want help in that area. Thank you. And finally, you say, maybe I've got my name figured out. Maybe I even feel like I'm ready to step out. But I look at the problem. I look at the obstacle, and it's insurmountable. I can't even count it. It's just too big. And, and the, the hugeness of the, the mountain that's in front of me has been the thing that's holding me back. And I need to find a way to see that God is on my side, and the odds are always in my and that's you today. You need to overcome some obstacles. Slip up your hand. All right. Thank you, guys. Lord, you guys can stand with me. Lord, I, I just love you for the responses here today. I love you that people. I love that people are just desiring to know who they are, what you've called them to do. Meet everyone in this room right where they're at, and where they're at is exactly who you've created them to be. God, I pray some eyes will be open today hearts will be revealed, Lord Jesus. I pray that for those that are maybe like Gideon, looking at themselves in the mirror and not seeing a person who's ready, God, I pray that you'll give them courage. Embolden them today. Give us the courage and the boldness to step out right now, to go with the strength that we have in this moment, because that's all the strength that you need to work with. Give some people some ability to walk out today. God, I also pray some obstacles begin to come down. There's some really big obstacles in people's lives. Every one of us face them, Lord Jesus. Every one of us has a mountain in front of us at one time or another. God, I pray that in our eyes and in our vision and in our sight, you will always be bigger than that mountain. You will always be bigger than that obstacle. And we'll be able to overcome it like it's nothing because of you because of us, because of you. God, I pray you meet the people here today, myself included, who need this to be able to fully live out who you've created us to be. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. We'll let the worship team just lead us in some time of worship here. And there's going to be some people up here that would love to pray with you. If, if you feel during this time that you need some help, some someone to pray with you to help go down this journey of discovering your calling, discovering how to walk that out. We'd love to, to hash that out with you, to pray that out with you. Um, or you can just come on up and just seek God's face during this time and let him speak to you. Listen, you're only going to hear this from God if you let him speak. Give him time to speak into your heart, to speak who you are into your life. Open up that opportunity in you to be able to hear what God has to say. So let's just take this time to just hear, to let God speak right now. Thank you for listening. You can find us online at BethelAG.com or on Facebook at Bethel Assembly of God, Littlestown, Pennsylvania. Our services are also live streamed every Sunday on our YouTube channel, Bethel AG, Littlestown, Pennsylvania.